Nuclear. Now is it crick or creek? Coyote or coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus, and we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language. All right, uh, today we have a little bit of housekeeping to do. You know, over the course of our episodes, uh, we hear from people who have questions about something we may have talked about or we uh, ourselves, something pops into our brain that maybe we wanted to pursue a little more or we just were a little bit confused about maybe at the time. And we just want to kind of clean some of those things up. So we're going to go through uh, a few of the words or ideas that we brought up in some of our recent episodes and just uh, kind of take a little more look at uh, some of those words. Uh, the first one I want to talk about came from uh, episode 15, uh, which ran on March 15th. It's the Jive episode, but it's actually about the uh, the listener question that we had about the word primer uh, versus primer. And as we talked about in that episode, uh, the American pronunciation is generally primer when, when you're talking about sort of like the ABC's book. And the British pronunciation is primer. And, and I think we were all a, a little bit surprised surprised that that's the case. But a listener, uh, Doug from Toronto, actually wrote in and mentioned uh, the word privacy and talked about how the British say privacy, even though they use the long eye on primer and on the word private. They don't say privet. So do you guys have any idea what in the world is going on? I mean, the British say primer and private, but they say privacy. Americans say primer, but they say privacy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I love how it sounds. Just the question alone <laughs> sounds like, ah! Um, it, Ross will probably explain more than I about it, but it, it's, it's part of the great vowel shift. No, it's actually um, before the, that. The, it's actually the mini vowel shift that occurred before that. And, I heard it's the wee vowel nudge. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but it's actually it, the technical term probably in this case. I mean, the problem with English, I think we have to like sort of picture a pool of water with four different streams coming in. And that pool is pronunciation. And you've got all these different streams coming in. And you see a little eddy and you go like, what caused this eddy? Stream one, stream two, stream three, stream four, or a combination of all those streams. So are we talking about those streams sort of like the Norman influence and the Anglo-Saxon influence? Are those the streams that are coming in? Exactly. And the Latin, like, did a word come directly from Latin into English or did it go via French into English into Latin? Did it come directly from Saxon or did it go via uh, Danish into English with with uh, the Northern Danes and uh, coming into Northern England. But one thing I think that we can really say fairly confidently, there is something called, Cass said, the wee little vowel shift, or it's tri, it's technically trisyllabic laxing. And long vowels in certain cases are shortened. Like we have sane, and then we have, when we have a, we change sane into the state of being sane, it becomes sanity. It doesn't become sanity. We have crime, and then we have criminal. We have serene, and we have serenity. And what tended to happen in English was that when a original verb or original word had a long vowel, it became short if it was followed by two syllables, the first syllable of which is unstressed. That sounds boring, but that's sort of the basic idea. So privacy. So you've got the two uh, syllables after the 
the PRI. So the PRI changed to PRI. So it should be privacy. But for some reason, Kath, maybe want to expand upon this. We say privacy in most cases in America. Well, I was going to say, yeah, Americans, if, this is again where we go back to like the, the vagaries of English. So in the standard British accent, which is called RP, it, you kept the vowel shortening. But in American English, for some reason, and this is the case of a, a number of words, the shortening didn't happen. So we kept privacy while the Brits say privacy. But then, of course, in criminal, we do not say criminal. The, the vowel shortening did happen with certain words and didn't with others. And it's just no one knows why. It just is the case. Some people say, I mean, one guess is that Americans sort of look at the word and, and they look more at like the, the private part of the word. And then they add the e, the y to it, and they so they say privacy, and in effect they negate that trisyllabic laxing. Maybe because they focus more on the derivation, it comes from private. But again, we go back to that stream analogy. I mean, the problem is it just like who, like Cass said, who knows? They just do. Mm-hmm. And there was one case I think where the Brits in a courtroom, some guy noticed that they do say uh, piracy. For example, we would say pirate piracy instead of piracy, and he heard an English court saying uh, piracy rather than piracy, which I thought was really interesting. And the weird thing, though, now is you're having more and more. There was a study done in, um, I think, 2011, the British Library, and it's it's still ongoing. And they're finding that more and more Brits are adopting American-style pronunciations. So, um, like, they used to say patriotic, short, ah. (laughs) And now there's more of them are saying patriotic. And it so you're that's a question though I think of of imported uh, of imported TV movies and so forth. I think that's just a question of you hear it more often now, so they're picking it up. I mean, Americans are so good with saturating other places with our culture. Yeah, I mean, Disney Disneyland or Disney World comes to mind certainly <laughs> <laughs> badly for me, but that's beside the point. <laughs> I want to take us back uh, just briefly to the long eye, short eye. Can I bring up something that? It, Really, it's just kind of annoying to me more than anything else. Uh, I want to talk about the words riffle and rifle. Um, mm-hmm. So riffle is sort of like to, I guess, leaf quickly through a, a, a book or papers or something, uh, looking for something. When you rifle through something, you're more like upturning a room, uh, maybe trying to steal something. Sort of like you come home and your entire bedroom is is in shambles because somebody went through all your drawers and all of that. I, for the longest time had heard people talk about rifling through things, but whenever I read, I'd never heard the word riffle. And so when I when I read on a page, R-I-F-F-L-E, I, th- I thought it was pronounced rifle. And I guess I'm really just saying this because it's kind of annoying to me that there are two words that have such similar meanings and such similar spellings, but are, are distinct from each other and really, I mean, they do have distinct meanings. I'm going to be really stupid here. I always just said, and now I'm going to look it up. I, I, I've got to admit ignorance here. I always just said rifled. I never said riffled. And I, and I, just as you, like she rifled through, you know, the books. She, and so this is, you're teaching me something here. And um, I, I admit absolute ignorance to this. That's interesting. As you just were talking about that, I looked up riffle versus rifle. And I'm like Kathy with that. I don't think I ever used the word rifle, a riffle. And it comes, they think, from uh, a combination of ruffle and ripple. 
and it's a very late word in English. It's a late 18th century word. Uh, uh, this is really fascinating. This has been a day of learning for me. It has. I can't handle it. <laughs> Apparently, the earliest one I'm getting is 1754, to make choppy, to make water choppy. And they're saying it's American English, so it's like perhaps a variant of ruffle to make rough. Oh, because I was just saying it reminds me of ripple. Like when you say water, you think of rippling water. Ripple, right? And they're saying also ripple is another possibility. But it's a late word, and it seems to be mostly American, which is English. Interesting. Oh, wow. We're not sure, but we're just guessing. Well, I'm just absolutely gobsmacked to sound like a real American. <laughs> Meanwhile, rifle, that the, that the sense that Fletcher was using, it comes from uh, riflet in French, to scrape off or to plunder. But then the, 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 the combination of the two words into, into one in one's head, rifling and riffling. But like Kathy, I would have said rifling through... Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I've... I've I, if somebody said riffle, to be honest with you, I would have, if not corrected them overtly, I would have certainly in my head thought, like, ha, 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 ha. and it would have been um, laughing at me, actually, which is always sad. But Yeah, and I can't remember how I learned the difference. I, I honestly think it was probably within the last year, though, that I did, uh, you, you know, so, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat that the two of you are. It's not like this is something that I've known for a long time. I always thought it was rifle. Although, i got to be honest with you, I don't think I've ever seen the word riffle. I've seen rifling through something, but I don't think I've ever seen riffle, riffling. Oh, that's interesting, because that is, I mean, that is the thing that would happen to me, is I would see in writing the, the word F, the word right. riffle, yeah, the double F, and I would say it in my head, rifle. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, I, I honestly don't think I've ever run across riffle. I'm just looking right odd. now at riffling through a book. But it's a, the, Google immediately says, do you mean rifling through the book? Oh. I, I'm fascinated by this. I've, this is a new word on me. I've, I've, and I know words. I like words. <laughs> but I have never riffled, nor have I ever seen riffling. I actually like riffle. I, I, I think it's a, and it sounds like what it is, which yeah. is one of those beautiful, yeah, it's very, it's very appropriate sounding, but yeah, causing his fingers to riffle through the Fox News. I'm sorry, this is a typo online, which I love. This time, even the National Riffle Association is <laughs> for more regulation. <laughs> Perhaps that's not the right one. It's a, just a group of people who really like to look through books quickly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. Okay, uh, let's now go back to actually our most recent episode before this one, uh, episode 17 that ran on April 12th when we talked about the, the double C, uh, flaccid versus flaccid. And uh, someone asked about the term anti-vaxxer and, and, you know, people who, who uh, don't believe in vaccinating their children. And they asked about that double X in anti-vaxxer and why in the world people would be spelling it V-A-X-X-E-R. And I'm going to take that even slightly further and ask why, you know, why wouldn't people be spelling it V-A-C-C-E-R with that double C that makes that X sound that we talked about during the flaccid, flaccid episode? Well, I have, to be honest with you, when I first saw the question, I initially thought, oh, yeah, like you said, the C-C, and I thought because it sounds like X, you just change it to X-X. But then I'm looking more, and this is where Ross and I have a difference in, in, in thoughts, um, some people think it was a direct line from um, the uh, computer term hacker. You used to say when someone's haxing, it was spelled H-A-X-X -X. instead of C-K-S. And then it became doxing, you know, like when people right. um, 
so a double X there. So because it's that same sort of thing, you go straight to Vaxer. Um, I thought that made a lot of sense. Even though normally you just, when you add the suffix, you ex I mean like boxer, you don't double X it because that's always been around, even though that's a little odd because usually you do, um, when it's a short vowel and a consonant, you usually double the consonant to keep the vowel short. Like sit to sitter, you double the T. But when English prior to this with an X, you just kept one X, taxer, boxer. In this though, I think it probably did come from doxing and that, that kind of terminology. Ross has a different idea. Well, it almost sounds like uh, at least what you're saying is maybe that it's it's really an internet phenomenon. Precisely. That's that's what I'm saying. I disagree. Both of us did some research on this. There's no one like plausible uh, linguistic def you know reasoning for this. My gut feeling is Vaxer. I mean, Vaxer comes from the Latin, of of course. I mean, vac vaccination comes from the Latin. And it refers to cows originally. Uh, waka or vaca would be cow in Latin. And then uh, Joaquin or vac vacin in Latin would be pertaining to cows. Now, in Latin, the um, when you want to make a x sound, you can, you usually, usually, you know, this is hurting flaxen right now, but usually, usually when you make a x sound, you can make an x out of it. So I think it became the and X becomes two consonants, but I think it came from that. I think that the why not boxer? Oh, that oh, the, there's always an exception in English, and the one thing English tends but there's not, no other double X's in English is my point. I think you're right on that. I think the X came in. I think the X came to replace the CC. If you write V A C C E R, it looks like you should say vacker. I would say that's yeah, that's fair. Mm -hmm. So to say a vaxer, you put X in. So then you have V-A-X-E-R. V-A-X-E-R, because right. of the E, should be pronounced Vaxer. So you add the double but X Vaxer, to make it Vaxer. V-A-X-E-R would just be Vaxer, like Boxer or Taxi or... The weird thing with English doubling consonants at the end is consonants are usually doubled except for X. X for some reason, I think Z too. X and Z are not usually doubled. No one knows why, they just aren't. X, Q, J, W, and Y. I think you instinctively go, well, CC, Vacker looks weird. You know the X sound in English is historically X. So you do VA, you, in your head, you do V-A-X-E-R. V-A-X-E-R looks weird because you should say Vaxer. You know Boxer from the past. You know it's pronounced not Boxer. You know it's pronounced Boxer. But we don't know how V-A-X-E-R is pronounced. It looks sort of weird. So we double the consonant, which we make sure, which makes sure certain that the um, A then is short. Do you see it or not? So that's probably then you're saying the case then with haxing yes. and doxing as well. Yes. I think the two of you, I mean, I don't think you're at odds really here. I mean, I think it, it, it probably is an internet phenomenon, but also what you're saying, Ross, is very compelling that you have that double consonant to make sure that you're, you're, using the a ah sound instead of the a sound yeah it's just a guess but even though technically in english you don't double you don't double an x yeah well that's the key yeah but we have plenty of examples uh, uh, examples of unnecessary doubling of consonants i'm just thinking of the name greg there are plenty of people who spell it g-r-e-g-g -G, and there's mm -hmm. no reason to have the extra g on the end a lloyd which always like flipped me out as a kid two l's L -L. yeah mm -hmm. yeah at the beginning of a name 
I, I actually think that, Ross, you're making a lot of sense to me. So I was just like, that's when I was asking you, like, what about boxer? You're right. But then it does fit in then with docs to go from docs to doxer. You've you've both made a lot more sense. Um, not that I expected you to have no answer, but but I wasn't really getting anywhere just trying to think through it myself. And and everything both of you have said it makes a lot of sense to me. It's funny, though, because I think you're right. I think it's the combo. Because, I mean, like, doxing I definitely have heard of. I'm wondering, though, now, because of this, are we going to see more double X's appearing? Are, do you think, I'm going to ask uh, both of you, actually, do you think that possibly over time, we, we, there's so many new words that are going to be spawned that could have an X in it. Do you think that we might be seeing more and more of the doubles? Yes. Yeah, you do. What about you, Ross? Mm-hmm. I, I agree, and and I don't, and I think I think what you said, new words, is is the important point there. I don't think we're going to see older words start switching to a double X, but um, uh, yeah, new words, especially with the internet and the way this, I mean, this is a pretty accepted convention at this point. Uh, like you said, with doxing or or now with anti-vaxxer, uh, yeah, I, I think considering all of that, we're definitely going to see more double X's. We're actually extending the rule to include X for doubling consonants is what we're doing. And I think you guys are completely correct. It's going to enter in, and 100 years from now, people are going to ask, why does boxed have only one X, not two? You're right, probably. Yeah. Like yeah. we say, why does primer have only one yes, M? Yes, exactly. You know? <laughs> okay, and then our last one for today uh, is from episode 16, uh, which ran on March 29th. Uh, we started with the word hyperbole, but this is really more about when we were talking about the magic E. So putting an E on the end of a word uh, makes the, the vowel um, a long vowel. So mad versus made. And Ross, you, you mentioned uh, at the end of that episode, actually, that you know this is an example of how we do follow rules in English, and, and we have them, and we use them. But of course, there are always exceptions. And a couple of words that were brought up um, are, I'll spell them first, N-A-P-E, and the other one was B-A-D-E. And they can both be pronounced nap and bad right yes and this is where we get these awful exceptions in english and the wonderful and maybe terrible problem with english which is that it's a very complex language with bad i can start with just right off the bat and english ver bad you're talking about the verb right uh bad yes i he bad him good night yes b-a-d-e well that okay here, here we go okay Old English had what are called uh, classes of irregular verbs. They had, and these are strong verbs. Strong verbs are verbs where the vowel changes inside that to make a to make it past tense. For example, um, sleep slept. The inside, the interior vowel changes. Normally, to make a past tense with a, with a not a, a strong verb we just add ed to it Correct. so in this case we have basically what's called a strong verb now the strong verbs are divided into seven classes and believe it or not there's a rule bid bad is from class five strong verb and this is where it gets really technical and, and, and almost silly to really think about it but when a strong verb vowel is followed by a dental with a where you put your tongue at the top of your mouth and hit your teeth that uh, vowel changes and uh, the uh, E doesn't, doesn't make it long. It becomes short. And that's the basic reason why. Why did that happen? Why do dentals make 
the uh, E ending not work in this case, I have no idea. That's just how they spoke then and that it followed through. Although it's much less common nowadays pronounced that way. Very much so. Yeah, uh, yeah, I definitely, I mean, in both cases, I think, in, you know, nap and bad can both be, of course, pronounced nape and bade at this point. Correct, yeah, and that's the, I, and I would, I would th those are definitely the more common pronunciations now the 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 uh, long uh, vowel is that true both for uh, British English and American English? Um, Brits tend to say bad more than we d than Americans do. Americans tend to say bade much more. I think bad's going to disappear. Although I mean, like the Oxford Advanced Learners Dictionary is saying more more often than not in British English as well, it's pronounced bade. Oh, is it? It's even there. Yeah, I think it is yeah. even there. But I mean, I think the bad is going to yeah. change completely. I still can't help it. I think because we both had a mother who loved uh, uh, English, I think we both still say bad to some degree, but I, I don't do know. We, I wouldn't do really use it that much. I, I think it. I don't, I mean, I don't ever really say it out loud for any reason, but but when I read it or if on the, the rare occasions I hear somebody say bade, I think in my head bad. Like I correct, oh, I correct it a bad, little bit. Bad in both senses. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's interesting. I always think bade. I actually do. I don't think bad anymore. And I think it's because when I see it, I, at least, especially, I, we go back to the magic E. It's like in my head, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's A. That's interesting. I do not think that anymore. I don't know when it happens either. Our mother, I mean, do, you, do you ever remember mom saying bad? I do, actually. For bad that or something. I remember her saying I was bad. Not you, Kathy. No. <laughs> well, what about? I mean, what about nap and nape? Is uh, obviously that's not a verb, so we're not talking about the irregular verb issue there. Uh, do you have any idea about that one? And we're talking about sort of like the uh, what what more usually people would say like the nape of your neck. I see. Now this is another one. I've got to admit, I've only pronounced it as nape. Yeah. And, and I, 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 I as well, uh, until this was brought up to me and I looked it up and discovered that it could be pronounced nap. Um, I, I also yeah, have only is, said nap. This was a, boy, this is an episode where Kathy looks like an idiot because this is another one I didn't know. <laughs> We're all learning all the time. The one thing I'm wondering about is I saw an alternative form of um, nap, which is nap, N-A-A-P-E, and I'm wondering... Did that force the, uh, I think it's from the French. Uh, my guess is it's the French. The French, in the in Latin, it would be Napa, and then, which is a short A, and then it would come into French and be Nap. So I think maybe it's just like a derived French pronunciation, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm just looking at it, and the, and the OED is saying it's identified with Nap with an allusion to the bowl-shaped hollow parallel with the Italian Coppa for cup. But it could also <laughs> come from K-N-A-P or K-N-O-P. I have an old etymology three, old English napian, which um, is followed by two, the A is followed by two Ps. The two Ps would automatically, with consonant cluster vowel shortening, would make that A a short, a short A. And I also have Nappen, N-A-P-P-E-N, again. See, I don't have other two. I, yeah, I have N-A-A-P-E in the Middle English, or N-A-P-E only. I mean, it's not a big stretch to think that it just lost a couple of letters over time, uh, but kept that, that app 
pronunciation. Yeah, that's that was my guess. But then Kathy now can't find the double P, and she's annoying me because I want that double P to make my theory work. <laughs> well, I just found interestingly enough in the book, which is one of my favorites. Um, it's it's went through many many uh, uh, editions. Was the eighteen thousand words often mispronounced from nineteen fourteen? He has nape as nape long a, but then he says that Webster said that the pronunciation nap very common in the United States, is generally regarded as colloquial or dialectal. I'm still sticking with the fact that the... <laughs> I mean, in Latin, it's N-A-P-P... Medieval Latin, it's N- I just looked at my Medieval Latin dictionary. It's N-A-P-P-A in Latin. So I'm sticking with my double P as the reason why it has a short A sometimes. But who knows? Well, the thing I really like about this is that uh, we are pretty much making it now conform to... Uh, that rule, that magic E rule uh, that you that we had talked about uh, in that episode, uh, and and as you said, we we have we have those rules and we use them, and now we're you know we're making those words conform to that rule, which is I don't know, kind of nice. Mm-hmm. But can I throw something out? We just you guys were both talking about how American English is taking over in effect in terms of pronunciation. I'm going to give you a pronunciation here in Canada. I'm going to ask you first how you pronounce it, and then I'm going to tell you something. S-H-O-N-E, past tense of shine. Shown. I mean, I always, yeah, I absolutely would have said shown. The reason, I mean, the fact that you're asking obviously makes me makes me really wonder what uh, what other people say, but I... Sean? Sean, yeah. I, it's incredible. Sean? Up here in Canada, the sun shone. God shone upon me. I can't handle it. I'm sorry. I cannot take that. How strange. Is that, do the Brits say that as well? Or is yes, that just a Canadian do. thing? The Brits say Sean too. And it's huh, extraordinary. They do? Yes. It's one of the most distinctive sounds I've ever heard. But they all say it. I don't understand it. And I'm going to say something really interesting, which really got me, was I was at the uh, University of Toronto the other day, and I asked uh-huh. everyone I ran into... How do you pronounce S-H-O-N-E? Everyone said Sean, to the extent where one person who's an artist uh, said, well, how, you know, how else would you pronounce it? I said, shown. He said, I never heard that. I said, well, in oh, America, wow. it's shown. And he said, I, I, I can't believe it. I said, well, I'm from New York, and I pronounce it shown. And then I had someone else from, uh, uh, my wife is from uh, Seattle. And, you know, both coasts, we both say shown. But they say Sean. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I shouldn't say that I didn't believe you, but I didn't believe oh, you. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> and I just looked it up, and you're absolutely right, and my mind is totally blonde, wow. as I say. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, because that day when I heard them say Sean, I, I looked it up, and the Middle English doesn't have an E at the end. It is Sean, and we would pronounce it as S-C-H, but... Uh, O-N. So they kept the pronunciation even though we stuck the E on the end. Yeah. There. I'm amazed, Ross. So I've got to tell you, this was a, I, I'm, I'm proud of you for pulling that out of your sleeve. That was, I would never have dreamed. And I did not trust you. I know you didn't. <laughs> I can't, I can't blame Sorry. you. <laughs> well, I first, I first heard it. Um, my wife, Sylvia, noticed that we first, were at a church service and the guys, the priest, the um, pastor started talking about, made this, and the sun shone upon them. And she hit me with an elbow and said, did you hear what he just said? And on cue, he repeated it. I said, yes, I just did. <laughs> and we both started asking people, and it, it's it's all here. And it's interesting because it hasn't, it has not drifted south. 
nor has shown drifted north. And in many cases, for example, in the Midwest, a lot of Canadian and American accents sort of achieve a similarity in terms of uh, pronunciation, but not not with Sean. Hold it, though. Now, I just thought scone. I say scone. Brits say scone. That's true. Yeah. I, I actually looked that up and I'm going to throw something out. Apparently, I hate you. You're no longer my brother. <laughs> well, this Go is on. the Sean that I got curious about scone the same way because I hear scone here a lot more. But apparently, uh. because of American pronunciation now, there was a BBC survey, I believe, and 43% of Brits now say scone. But that's still under half. That's all I want to say. And wasn't it at some point schoon or something like in Scots or something? Didn't you say, like, wasn't the O N E like an ooh? I think you're right. I think you are right. We have to check that one. I don't know. Kathy, you're right that, I mean, it's under 50%, but still 43% is a pretty large number. Um, I know, but I was trying to keep my integrity. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add this again. I mean, I literally had an argument with the guy because he did not believe me. He said, no one says shown. I said, they, you know, 300 million people south of you do. <laughs> <laughs> It's so weird that it ends at the border. <laughs> it's very, I've never heard a spill over here at all. I've never heard a single person say Sean. So is it Sean Connery up there? How <laughs> <laughs> oh, you took that away from me. I was just about to say that. This episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod or email me at Powell at KMUW.org. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or even a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. The book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press, and you can find that and Kathy and Ross Petrus's newest book, That Doesn't Mean What You Think It Means, at your local independent bookstore. Kathy and Ross have written a lot more. They've got another book coming up later this year, and they're always up to something. You can check out their other work through their website, kandrpetrus.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks. And that actually is it for today. You know, really, this whole episode was what I like to do at the end here, which is just sort of go off on weird little tangents. And so I think we're good there. But I do want to take a minute just to ask you again to help us out, if you haven't already, by rating us on your podcast app. And way more importantly, to take about 30 seconds to write a little review. It doesn't need to be long, just a sentence or two. But what a lot of people may not know is that this is actually what helps us gain more prominence and make sure other people can learn about us. The more reviews we get, the better off we are. I mean, maybe as long as you're enjoying what you hear. If you're hate listening, I guess thanks anyway? But it's cool if you don't say anything about that. And while you're hitting those five stars on your podcast app, you might also think about, I don't know, let's say two friends who maybe haven't heard us who you think would have some fun with the show. We're growing every day and we're hearing from people all over the country and outside the U.S., but still, the more people know about us, the better it is for everyone. Because we're having a ton of fun, and we hope you are too. And for real, we really, really appreciate you being along for the ride.